get your Bibles out. And while you got your Bibles out, turn to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua. Just hold your finger there. I'll tell you where to go in a second. I have been praying about things over the last few weeks. I've been really seeking. Okay, we came out of this better together. Um, ooh, I'm picking up some noise there. Turn me down just a little bit, Mr. Salman. Um, we, but we came out of this series called Better Together, and I hope and pray that that series ministered to you. I hope that you see the fruit of us being one family rather than a bunch of separate people running in their own directions, that we are one body, and each of us have different assignments, but when we come together, we're better when we're together. But as I was coming out of the series, you know, you're always as the pastor going, God, what do we go, new, what do, we go to next? And as I've been praying, God's been dealing with this one statement. Well, it's been a lot of statements because, listen, culture will cause a pastor to think about a lot of stuff. The news will cause a pastor to think about a lot of stuff, to pray about a lot of things, and to really seek God on a lot of things. But this morning, I want to deal with uh, something, something that we all face, and that's choices. In a world that seems very chaotic right now, it seems like we are making choices every day or there are people that are trying to make choices for us. Can I get an amen from somebody? Uh, I, 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 wish, I wish the school would stop calling me and telling me that somebody in my school has coronavirus. Call me if it affects my child. If it doesn't, stop calling because all you're doing is inciting chaos into my world and me wondering whether it was my kid that was exposed to that stuff and if I need to do, do something. Or, or people trying to tell us that we're going to have to lock down. I wish you would tell me I can't have Thanksgiving. Okay, just so y'all can all get mad at me. Last night, we had Friendsgiving with the young adults at my house, and 25 people came together. And we enjoyed each other's company. And we didn't play the fear game of coronavirus. Let me, can I just say this to you for a second? There is so much in the world right now that's trying to make decisions for you. You need to stop and rest in the things of God and trust that God is still on the throne. No matter what the circumstances or situations, all of us are faced with choices. I'm not talking about where you're going to go on vacation. And I'm definitely not talking about where you're going to go for dinner or for lunch today. Because how it goes in my house is, baby, what you want to eat? And her response to me is, food. <laughs> then I politely respond, well, we'll go to the gas station. Because that's food to me. I mean, like, come on, some of you men in the room, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, we can do a four-course dinner at the cash station right here. Like, we know what we're doing. I don't want that. Or you go, baby, what do you want? I don't care, whatever you want. And then you pick, right? Then you pick. And what do you get back? I don't want that. So you do care. So you cared the whole time. You do care, but you just don't want what I want. Well, no, I just don't want that. So then you give three more, right? And what happens? I don't want that either. So just choose. Okay. I'm not talking about lunch and dinner choices. I'm, I'm talking about choices that will either make things better, make things worse, or keep everything the same. I believe right now the church is in a pivotal, pivotal, I miss that word up every time. Pivotal is not a word. Pivotal space we are in right now to make decisions that will change the course of history. See, that was one amen in the midst of a bunch of body of believers. I'm going to try this side of the church to see if... I believe we are in a moment right now, a pivotal moment, that the decisions we make as the body of Christ will change the course of history. Amen. But if we sit silent, we will accept whatever comes. And God says, I need you to speak up and speak out. I need you to make a decision. I, 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 the Bible is full of cho choice moments. We've even heard that life is about choices. I use that one with my own children. Life is about choices. But the scripture that I keep hearing screaming in my head over the last four or five days is this one out of Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And I'm only using a portion of it. Joshua tells the people, choose today 
whom you will serve. Now, I'm going to say this to you as a sidebar for a second. I need you to take inventory for a moment and ask yourself what you're serving right now. No, work with me for a second because some of y'all are serving sin. Some of y'all are serving fear. Some of y'all are serving doubt, worry, confusion, and depression, and anxiety. Some, how do I know you're serving to it? Because you're bowing to it. Mm, see, it gets quiet. Anytime pastor pulls a trigger like that and pulls a bullet off, everybody goes, I don't want to talk anymore. He's in my backyard. Why is he digging around in my stuff? Why is he touching my stuff? Because my job here and my responsibility here is to get your mind off of that stuff and get your mind focused back on the things of God, to get you back in the space of making godly decisions, not worldly decisions, calling them godly decisions. Because I'm going to say this to you, the church is making some boneheaded decisions right now. We are ignoring the scriptures to appease the flesh and calling it righteous thought and saying God's in it. No, he's not. Because if it only benefits you and your wants, it is not kingdom. It is your own kingdom. And unfortunately, we're spending a lot of time trying to build our own kingdom rather than his. Joshua says to the people, he says, choose today whom you'll serve, not who you'll visit on Sundays. Not who you'll pray to when all hell breaks loose, and that's the only time you do it. Not the one who you'll only do a fasting time when pastor calls fasting, but commit to a lifestyle of fasting. Not only repent when you slip back into sin, but keep visiting sin because somewhere along the line you thought you were big enough to handle sin. No, he says choose today. The choice is yours, and God will not force you, but he gives you the option. You either pick heaven or hell. But can I say to you very clearly that over this last 10, 20 years, we have created a gray space that neither goes heaven or hell. It just exists. And when it's godly, we want to call it God. When we want it to be godly, we'll call it godly. And when it's sin, we'll call it sin. But we, we've created this gray space. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the church and the body of Christ live in the gray area. We make excuses for bad behavior. We make excuses for poor decisions. And we say, God knows my heart. You're right. God does know your heart. And the Bible says your heart is inherently wicked. I know you didn't want to hear that this morning. You want to hear, Pastor, my heart is perfect in the things and eyes of God. You, you know what? When God made it, it was. But yet we were born into this world in sin. Yet sin is still a part of who we are. Sin is a nature on the inside of us. And yet we do not try to crucify it anymore. We have now come to a place of acceptance of it. And we will not choose who will serve. We'll keep serving sin. Yet show up on church on Sundays and wonder why we cannot feel the presence of God. Because you cannot mix dark where there's light. You cannot mix light where there's dark. And if you can try to dabble in the both, the Bible says you're a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways. And sometimes we've got to make some decisions. Sometimes we've got to get out of this space and say, you know what? I'm done doing me. I'm ready to do it his way. The Bible says that you, this, this has to die so that he might live. Here's the problem. In the church today, we live louder than God does. Because we're not dying anymore. We're not crucifying flesh anymore. We're not saying, God, I lay it down. We're saying, God, I'll give you a portion, but I'm going to keep this one in my back pocket so I can still do what I want to do. And God says, time out. If you want everything that I got, you got to give me everything that you are. See, and I'm going to say this to you, that right now where I'm preaching is so unpopular right now because everybody wants to talk about the blessings. Everybody wants to talk about the promises. Everybody wants to talk about this. Let me help you with something. Hold on to your promises and your blessings, but you might miss the trumpet sound. Be careful that you don't trade eternity for what you can fit in your palm of your hand. I would rather be without than miss the call of God home. I would rather lose everything 
than to lose this. I remember when I was younger, when I, when I was single, I was, I was in my single bedroom, my, my one bedroom apartment. And before Tiff came into my life and I was, come on, men, work with me for a second. I don't, I don't know if all men will admit to this, but I will. I, I wanted somebody. Amen. I wanted somebody for me. I, wa- I was tired of being alone. I was tired of being the youth pastor, the single dude who went home by himself every night. I wanted somebody to share my life with. And I remember crawling up on the floor because that's where I spent a lot of my prayer time in that season of my life. And, and I crawled up on the floor and I, and I laid there and I said, God, I, I, I need you to move. And God, and God says, what do you want me to do? And I said, God, I, I, and, and all of a sudden something shifted in me. And these are the words that I uttered. <clears throat> God, I'd rather have you. I'd rather be single the rest of my life and have you to sacrifice the relationship I have with you so I can find a wife. So whenever you're ready, God, I'm ready. But until then, I'll serve you. All of a sudden, within months, she showed up. It's amazing how God will move when you were willing to die to you and pick up him and carry him. It's amazing what God will do, that God will honor your request, that he'll give you the desires of your heart when your heart is found in him. Can I just say this to you? We, we love to misquote that scripture because God wants to give me the desires of my heart. That desire that he wants to give you is when your heart is found in him, not when it's found in your back pocket. That heart that he wants to bless is the heart that's found in his hand, not in your own hand of him, you telling God how things are going to be, but you being willing to listen to what he wants you to do in this hour and in this season. It's all about choices. We're in a season of decisions, and it seems like people today are siding with what meets their personal wants rather than what will change their lives for eternity. We're making choices that are contrary to the word of God while desperately desiring God to move in our lives. We are making choices without concern of long-term outcome. And let me be honest, the only choice that matters at the end of the day is you choosing today whom you will serve. You go, pastor, I'm not serving nobody. I'm nobody's, I'm nobody's slave. I'm not talking about being a slave. I'm talking about being a servant of the most high God. The Bible says that he came to break the bondages of slavery, but he has called us all into servanthood. He has called us all to be servants of Christ. Listen, being a servant says that I serve on behalf of the one. I serve on behalf of the one. It is an honor to serve the kingdom of God. It is an honor to be the voice piece. It is an honor to stand up and say, make way, the kingdom of God is at hand. But what we're not doing anymore is saying that. What we're saying is, make way, my opinions are coming. Make way, my, my Facebook posts are coming. Here they come. Here they come. I'm going to hit you with them. Good. No, we're, we're not even, we're, man, listen, I've gotten to a point now on social media. If you ever see a like from me, the only thing I'm liking is what people post about the things of God. If you're not posting, I'm not liking it. How dare you, pastor? You don't care about what I eat? No, I don't. You don't care about where I went on vacation? No, I don't. And if you need me to care on where you, where you went on vacation, you probably should have consulted me before you went on vacation. Because maybe I'd have told you to go somewhere else better. Because it would have been about what I thought, not what you thought. At some point, we've got to get to this place where we're not choosing God on a Sunday. Mm. Oh, it's church. Oh, yeah, this is the day we go to church. This is the day we step into the house of God or the building and play the part. See, a choice doesn't determine a day. A choice determines a lifetime. Whatever you choose today will affect your life. Whatever choices, I tell this to people all the time, there are, there are consequences to everything. There are good consequences, there are bad consequences. What you choose, even in this moment, whether you choose to listen to me or not, will change the course. You go, Pastor, really? Like, your message is that good? No, because what you choose to listen to will shift and shape the direction you're heading. 
Somebody asked me this morning, I said, Pastor, are you ever nervous when you get up here to preach? Every Sunday. I'm not nervous to talk. I'm not nervous to stand up here and declare the word of God. What I'm nervous is is the weight that I carry that I'm about to hand you. Because I understand that the word of God has the power to wield and, and move and shape and shift everything that you do. And so I have to make sure that Brian checks out so God checks in. I need to make sure that my opinions stay on the backside and that the kingdom of God is what's talked about. Not that you get what I think, because I got a lot of thoughts, baby. I, I can tell you some stuff today that it, it's not going to get anywhere. But if I can give you the word of God, it's the word of God that brings change. I got to trust his word over me. And so when I bring this, I got I to gotta know, but it's a choice because let me help you with something. It's very easy to write a sermon based on the culture. Years ago, I had to realize, okay, there was things like this. Um, I, I used to watch football on Saturday nights. That was usually when LSU was playing, and then LSU would lose at the last minute, and I'd be angry. Anybody want to join the club with me for just a second? If you're not an LSU fan, it's okay. I'm just saying that's what, that was me, right? And, and so I'd, I'd watch this game, and, and, and I'd be like, oh, we're, and then all of a sudden it just falls apart. And then you're frustrated, and you've got to go to preach the next morning. And your frustration carries over into your sermon the next morning. You preach angry. Or, or I was going through things in my personal life that I was frustrated about, and I'd get in the pulpit, and I'd be like, Bruh! and everybody's like, okay, we're leaving. Thanks for playing, Pastor. Because I was making choices to allow life to infect the things that God had called me to. God says, listen, if you're going to do this thing, I need you to check out of that and check in to this. Where you are on Facebook, nobody cares. Where you are on this, God cares. Can I just say this to you? Um, the appeasement of a Christian or a believer lifestyle should never be on the shoulders of another being in this room or not in this room. What do you mean by that? I mean, don't serve, your, don't serve God because your grandparents serve God. My grandparents sit in the room. I'm not serving God and standing in this place because of them. Yes, they led our family in the things of God. Yes, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit before my, my, my mom was a kid. They, they received all that, like all that thing. And they've led our family into the things of God. And all of our family has served God in some capacity or some form. But the truth be told is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they did. It was still my choice to stand here and become this guy. It's your choice to decide what you walk out and do today. When you walk out of this place, it's your choice whether or not you love God and love people or just love yourself. It's your choice whether you smile at people. Amen. Amen. Even when they cut you off. Amen. Just smile at them. It ain't, listen, you being angry is only making you angry. Trust me, when they cut you off, they didn't care whether it made you angry anyway. The only one affected is you. It's a choice. You're deciding whether or not you're going to be mad. I, my wife sent me to Walmart the other day. Y'all pray for me. She sent me to find toilet paper and paper towels. The Lord was not having all that. And we get to the line, and I'm just standing there, and it's like, is everything in slow-mo today? Because, no, like, that's how I'm feeling. And I'm, I'm standing, and I'm watching everybody go, <laughs> like, they're snarling. They're, they're breathing heavy. They're like, I don't understand what's wrong with it. I'm just standing there with my cart like, I'm good. Oh, can you believe this line? I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it, stuff happens. It's all good. Lady's like, I'm, just, I'm done. She takes her stuff and throws it and walks out the store. And I'm like, wow, that was a choice. That was a choice. And here's what happened. She went home with nothing. I just stood there long enough to realize that line over there was moving a little bit faster. So I did what most people do. I just kind of slowly turned. You know, you act like you forgot something, right? You're like, oh, I forgot something. Let me go get that. And then you see a line like, you roll right in, and everybody's like, oh, you. And I'm like, yes, me. <laughs> because the patience was causing me to win, I was going to make a choice. I wasn't going to fall into that process. 
This morning, I want to take us through this space, this space called choices. And I'm hoping and praying by the time we're done today, by the time we walk out of this room, you will not just make a choice of whether or not you're going to serve God, whether or not you're going to live for God, but you'll make choices that take you into the eternity with God. Amen? Amen. Choices, the very thing that caused you to get up this morning, get dressed and come to church. Amen. Even though some of your choices did not want you to get up. Amen. The very thing that caused you to believe that God was going to speak to you this morning. I hope you got up this morning and believed God wanted to talk to you this morning. I hope you got up and got dressed and said, you know what? God's got a word for me today. I'm going to get it. It doesn't matter who was preaching. I'm coming to get what God has for me. That is not selfish. That is, that is the right way to think. Because what you do is you come with an expectation, an anticipation that God has a desire to deliver something to you. Not, the corp, not just the corporate body, but you individually. That God woke you up this morning because he had you on his heart and his mind. Choices, the very thing that will change the outcome of this message in your heart. Like I said, you can tune me in or tune me out. The choice is yours. Choices, it's the one thing that we try to avoid. Come on, work with me. It's the one thing we don't want to do because if we make a choice, then it creates an outcome. If we make a choice, it requires accountability. Oh. Because it's time in this moment to say yes to God, yes to his purpose, and yes to his plan. It's time to make that decision completely committed, without wavering, without denying it. It's time to make a choice so that we can see a greater outpouring of his spirit, a greater flow of his anointing, and walk in the fullness of who he is. It's time for you and I to stop making choices that just affect the moment and start making choices that affect our eternity. But in order for us to do that, we have to begin by breaking the spirit of excuses. Mm. Excuses. I remember when I was a kid, my, my, I was in my dad's office, my stepdad's office, and, and, and I was a kid. Come on, work with me for a second. We all made excuses, especially when we were in trouble, amen, because we didn't want to get the wrath handed down to us. And so I walked into his office, and he asked me a question, and I began to give him my stretched-out answer in order to alleviate the punishment that was coming on the backside of my own decisions. And so I began to spread out my answer, and, and as I spread out my answer, my father looks, my stepdad looks at me, and he goes, 7,622. Are you having a moment? What's wrong with you? So I keep talking. He goes, 7,623. Why do you keep counting? He said, because that's the number of excuses you've given me. And I went, what do you mean? What do you mean? He says, Brian, you never come in with an answer. You never come in with a solid decision. You come in giving me reasons why you couldn't make the decision. And I just want you to get to a point where you hold on to why you made the decision. I'm trying to teach you that what you decide is what you need to hold on to. Here's the problem with the church. We say we choose Christ. We say we've chosen God, but yet we waver like something flowing in the wind. The moment a storm comes, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, somebody calls you out, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? I go to church. Why, when did it come to the point where we started defining our, our role as a believer by church attendance? Are you a believer? Well, I go to church. Can I just say this to you? Going to church doesn't make you a believer. What you do with the gospel on the inside of you, that's what makes you a believer. And somewhere along the line, especially in southeast Louisiana, it's worse here than I've ever, in any place I've ever lived. Down here, we think going to church makes us saved. Well, if I go to church, I'm going to heaven, right? I mean, so I just go to church, and I'm going to make it. No, you're not. Because you have to subscribe to the the. the 
the statement of faith. I have to subscribe to the things of God. I have to subscribe to the word of God, and I have to be willing to live it, not just talk about it. A person who makes a choice, a true choice, is committed to their decision, even if it kills them. But in order for us to do this, we first have to break the excuses, not the reasons, not the circumstances, but excuses. Most of what we call circumstances are nothing more than excuses. Okay, let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. I'm fat. Okay, wait, look, I'm, 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 listen, I am not the epitome of thin. Amen. And I know that, so you don't have to, I'm not trying to call out heavyset folk in the room. I'm going to say this to you, and I mean this with love. It's a choice. We live in a state where food is good. I lived in Florida. Everything was grilled. Moved to Louisiana. Everything's fried. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't, know what a French, I didn't know what a seafood platter was until I moved to Louisiana. Woo! That thing was like this. Praise the Lord. I don't know where that's going, but we're going to start here. Don't know how it's going to finish, but we're going to start somewhere. Like, and, 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 you, and all of a sudden, I come here. Look, when I moved to Louisiana, I weighed 196 pounds. That didn't last very long. Why? Because every day when somebody said, you want to get lunch? Yep, we're going to the seafood place. I'm getting another seafood platter. That sounds really good right now. You know the one that's got the seafood on top and then a the bottomless tray of fries on the bottom? And they don't give you like ketchup. You got tartar sauce and this. And then you're, you're just, nah. and you're, you're, you just, you start doing the lean on the table. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you eat too much and you're leaning on the table trying to, try, you, you're starting to get the side. Some of y'all have done this. Don't look at me like I'm dumb. I know what y'all do. You know what I'm talking about? You're leaning on one arm trying to get the food to your mouth because you, you, I, got, I got a crevice. Maybe if I lean to the side, I can find another space to put a little bit more food. And I kept doing that. I kept doing that. And then I kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was in like who I liked, to, liked in the mirror. And I'm like, God, I don't understand. And God goes, because you keep eating that stupid stuff. Can I just say this to you? Go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac. The Diet Coke is not saving you. Don't. That Diet Coke, okay, you might save your, your stomach from the Diet Coke, but you're not going to save your brain with the aspartame that's eating holes in your head. Okay, it's still a choice. It's still, it's still a choice. And yet we sit here and we complain. Come on, work with me for a second. People get into relationships that they did not leave God to consult with them on, and then they complain to God that they're stuck in a marriage that is screwed up because they didn't seek God first. They sought their flesh first. Can I get an amen from somebody? And, and, and so we don't seek God. And then we go, God, I don't understand why you let me do this. And God says, because you didn't talk to me, dummy. I'm not going to force you to do anything. But if you'd have talked to me, I'd have told you that was not it. Thank God I consulted God about the ones I dated because I would have never found her. I'd have been dead and gone somewhere or locked up something. I don't know. My life would have been jacked up because all those girls were like Delilah's and Jezebel's. Those women were out to kill me. And I was like, but they're, yeah, yeah, look at me. Look how cool I am. I'm like, stupid. Choices. It's all about choices. But it's excuses. We make excuses. I don't know why I'm at. I don't know why I can't feel God. I don't know why God's not talking to me. I don't know why I can't feel his presence. I can't feel his power. Because you probably don't talk to him. Because you probably don't spend time with him. And Sunday is not enough. Well, if I go to church, God's going to meet. God wants to come with you, not just meet you. The time is now for you to make a choice. So this morning, I want to give you a portion of Scripture real fast. And everybody chuckled when I said real fast. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Book of Luke, chapter 9. I'm going to hit these kind of fast. You ready? Bam. Here we go. You get anything out of this yet? Good. Hope you plan on making some choices before we leave today. Amen. Luke, chapter 9, verse 57 and 58. Here it comes. 
As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Mm-mm, mm-mm, Jesus. Bad statement. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Y'all go, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a breakdown version. Sometimes I like to bring out the message version because it helps a little bit to give you a little bit of context. Here's, here's what it says in verse 58. It says, Jesus was curt. I like it when Jesus gets curt. It's kind of fun. Because Jesus is like, there you go. Take that one. Here it comes. He goes, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Can I just say this to you? Somewhere along the line, we have, we have deemed that living for God or giving our lives to God is going to change our surroundings. Well, if I serve God, I'll get the nice house. If I serve God, I'll get the nice car. I don't know where we started this foolishness. Well, it's because I serve God, I have a better car. No, you made better financial decisions. Duh. Well, it's because God, I've got a better house. I've got this big old house. Well, yes, God has a desire to bless you. God has a desire for to prosper you. But we have deemed the power of God based on material items. Well, the more money I have in the bank, look how good God is. The, more, the nicer car I have, look how good God is. The nicer house I have, look good. What about the house you have now? Is God still good? What about the car you drive right now? Is God still good? What about the job you have right now? Is God still good? Because if he's not good now, he's not going to be good later. Because if we're only benefiting God based on the moments that he gives something to us, then we are treating God like a sugar daddy. And we basically live our lives like this. Your turn, tag, you're it. Hey, God, I went to church on Sunday. Fill my hand. Give me some more stuff. Give me more stuff. And if you don't give me more stuff, I'm going to pitch a fit. I don't know why God doesn't love me. I don't know why he doesn't give me what I want. I'm done with this. I'm done with serving in the church. It's all the church. I hate my pastor. I'm leaving the church. I'm going to go and isolate myself and live in my house by myself. Choices. Choices. I didn't make you do that. You chose to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up my toys and leave the sandbox. I'm going home. Bye. Love you. Just be here when you come back. But I'm not chasing you out the door. Oh, no, come back. Because maybe at the end of the day, it's choices. Now, if I say something that offends you, I, I encourage you. Come say something. Hey, Pastor, I was a little hurt by that. But then we're probably going to have a conversation that sounds something like this. Were you hurt or were you offended? Mm, here it comes. Because the word offended means change. The problem is most of us don't want to change. Did you understand that that's most of the time why offenses come? When people say things to us that make us want to, that we don't want to change. And so they say things and we go, I'm offended. And what you're really having a problem with is changing. I had to learn that because there were a lot of people that offended me growing up. A lot of people. My own family offended me. They, they did. Okay, let me give you a quick story. Great, quick story, quick story. Okay. Dumb, young, great, whatever. So I was dating a Jezebel. Amen. And um, I decided to get my ears pierced. I was like 21 years old, got my ears pierced, thought I was cool living in Florida, had hoop earrings in my ears. I was cool. It's cool. Till I came home to southeast Louisiana to visit my grandparents. Thought I was cool. Then my grandmother looked at me and she said, oh, the granddaughter I never had. Ta-ta. The granddaughter I not. Now, if you've got earrings and you're a dude, that's on you. That's your choice. I'm not judging you. I still have holes in my ears and take my wife's earrings and stick them in and go surprise my children. They're like, Okay. So, so it, it, but those were choices in my life. And I remember, look, and I got, come on, work. I mean, y'all know what you do when you get, when somebody says something you don't want to hear. You start breathing like you're trying to hyperventilate or something. You're trying to catch your air back into your lungs. 
I don't care what you say. You can say what you want. I'm doing me. I don't care. Guess where those earrings are not today? <laughs> In these ears. You want to know why? Because I married a wife that says, you ain't wearing earrings. <laughs> Choices. Because here's at the end of the day, I desire for my wife to go, he looks good. Not, I don't like to be around him. <laughs> Work with me for a second. Come on. The, the law of attraction works, baby. I need my wife to be attracted, not, mm, no, no. And I don't need her to be mad at me and have something to grab a hold of. That would just be bad. <laughs> Come here, God, help Jesus, you know. No, no, like, this, is, this is all about, about choices. And he, he says, listen, are you ready to rough it? I hate to break this to you, but when you asked God to dwell in your heart, this is not an easy assignment. Have you ever noticed that when you finally get a word deep in your spirit, it seems like the enemy shows up outside in the parking lot to try to take it back from you? Or you're going to church, and it seems like the enemy shows up to try to keep you from going to church. Why? Because he knows that, 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 that if you get this right, your life is going to be radically changed. But God never said, hey, listen, if you come follow me, everything's going to be, ah. You will get no theme music. This is not Shaft. You're not going to get any of that. No, you're going to have to walk this thing out. There are days you're going to have a limp. There's going to be days you're going to be able to run. There's going to be days you're going to walk. There are going to be days you're going to have to crawl. But he says, listen, I need you to know, are you ready to rough it? Because if you're ready to get dirty, we can finish this assignment. But if you want to walk around all prissy and cute and try to look, all, to look a certain way so everybody thinks you've got it, this is not going to work. Because here's the truth of it. I would rather follow somebody who knows how to get in ditches than people who only know how to walk on mountaintops. I don't need people around me that don't know what sacrifice looks like. I need people who are willing to sacrifice, to lay it all down. And when I'm not doing it, say, hey, pastor, I love you, but you got to lay that sucker down because I love you too much to watch you die in the middle of this ditch. we got a mountaintop season coming, but baby, right now we got to walk and get dirty. I need those people to go, it's okay if I get a little bit on my toes. It'll wash off in the end because it might be dirt today. It might be the cool of the grass tomorrow. Sometimes we got to make some decisions that are uncomfortable. Are you willing to rub it? No, I, I don't. Because here's what happens. The moment you make a choice, the enemy goes, here I come. Right. I'm trying to steal it. I've come to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm going to say this to you real quick. I've said this a couple of times, but I'm going to say it again. Do you know the enemy, the devil, has no authority to take your life? Right. Zero. Zero. He has zero authority. So that thought in the church where we've caught run around going, the devil, 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 the devil. God's going, stop it. If you are mine and I am yours, then the devil has no authority in your existence. Why are you giving him credit? Why are you giving him purpose and authority to your existence? He has no authority unless you grant him access. I tell this to people all the time. He goes to and throw throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. Y'all remember that mother may I? Mother may I? You had to get permission. Y'all remember that? You had, okay, so here's the thing with the enemy. If Christ dwells on the inside of you and he is the hope of glory, the only way the enemy gets in is if you grant him permission or you open yourself up and say, hey, come on in and visit. But if you don't and you have boarded yourself off with the purpose and the things of God, the enemy goes, can't touch that house because the blood of the lamb is wiped over the doorpost of your home. So when you start, okay, so wait, ah, this isn't even my notes. I didn't mean to go here. We might have to get to part two next week. Okay. This thing called generational curses. Mm, here it comes. Okay. Somebody said to me, I, I, I have a generational curse. 
Okay, let me ask you a question. If you've given your heart to God, Christ now dwells in you. The curse breaker dwells in you. Can you have a generational curse still? How can we, here's what we do. We use generational curses to make it as an excuse for poor behavior. <laughs> well, I have a generational curse. That's why I can't get right. That's why I keep falling back into lust and pornography. That's why I keep falling back into sin. That's why I can't make my marriage work because my daddy couldn't make his marriage work. It's all his fault. Hello, it's a choice. I don't have, the only proof I have of a lasting marriage is the two people sitting right there. And they have told me it was not always tiptoeing through the tulips. It was not always fun. There were moments that they argued. There were moments that they didn't get along. I know y'all want me to tell y'all, no, not my mom, papa. No, it's just been perfect. No, I'm telling you, they had seasons. Memo said, amen. You heard it? Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Okay. So, so there were, but there was a choice to stay in the race. There was a choice to honor the commitment. There was a choice to say, listen, if I put a covenant on it, I'm going to hold on to the covenant. Even through the toughest of moments, are you willing to rough it? Do you honor the covenant or do you just honor what appeases the flesh? What are you signing up for? What are you playing with? Because let me help you with something. If the trumpet sounds, those who are not in covenant... See, it gets quiet when you say these things because everybody thinks they're going to make it. But what if making it is dependent on your move next? Are you willing to rough it? Pastor, I don't want to rough it. I don't, I don't want to rough it. I don't want to rough it. I don't want, I don't want to give up what I like. I don't, want to, I don't want to give up what I like. Okay, watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm going to be very honest with you, right? So I've told you all for years I drive an old expedition, an old 210,000-mile expedition. It's an 05. Amen. Two weeks ago, and I wasn't going to say nothing. I'll tell you now. I got a new car. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hold, 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 hold. Shh. Because I know what happens when you say things like this. I mean, let me tell you how it works in the church. Ready? Right here it comes. Here it comes. He must have stole money from the church to buy the new car. <laughs> we know pastors don't make that much money. I got a 2017 Jeep Wrangler. You want to know I bought the car so my wife and I could have fun date days. Amen. Amen. And leave our kids at home. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just kidding, Hope. I'm playing. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, is that we bought a new car. And, and what's amazing to me is that when we bought it, we, were, we wanted to take pictures of it and post it. Like, hey, look. Look at the blessings. Look, look at God. But I told her, I said, I don't want to do it. She said, why? I said, because honestly, it's not everybody's business. It's ours. God's good to us, but we made better decisions than we did when we were younger, which afforded us the ability to buy a new car. But it's amazing to me how people get mad at my blessings or what I worked hard to get or what I can afford. Can I get an amen from somebody? People come to me and go, how much did you pay for it? Why is that any of your flipping business? Well, how much is your payment per month? How much did you have to put down? Why is that your business? It, it blows my mind. But we, the blessing came not because God shined down from heaven. I'm not saying God wasn't in it, but I'm saying it came because we made better choices. We paid off one car, and we said we wouldn't get a new car until we paid off the one car. We didn't want to have two car notes. That's sound financial decisions. Hello. But when you don't post it, people are like, well, why didn't you want to share it? I mean, it, it, it blows my mind. These are our choices. Aren't you glad I don't come to your house and go, don't eat that? Oh, why are you eating that? Don't you know it'll kill you? Don't you know it's bad for you? Be like, touch my food again, I'll punch you in the mouth. Because it's all about 
choices. Listen, I roughed it for 12 years. Drove that car, put thousands of dollars into that truck. Finally said, I'm done. I'm done putting money into a car. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I've done enough. But yet, these are my choices. But I was willing to rough it while we took care of one, problem, one, one situation so we could be in a better situation. It's all about, are you willing to die to lose your life for this? Not the church, not this room, for the things of God. See, because here's the truth of it. If, if the times were different and they said everyone that's a believer will be shot as you exit the church, most people would try to find the back door to extend their life just a little bit longer, to escape the responsibility of being one who testifies that I am a follower of Christ. See, nobody wants to ever talk about this anymore. I mean, when I was a kid, they used to play videos for us that scared Jesus right into your heart. You're like, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. Like, you were scared. Like, I don't know. There's these old weird tribulation movies that just were badly produced. But, man, you'd watch it. You're like, oh, it's not going to be good. But the truth be told is, is that these are all about, this is not an easy choice. But I'm going to tell you why it's not an easy choice. Because the moment you make the decision, you have to decide if your own life, if you're willing to flatline so that the heart of God can begin to beat on the inside of you. I think that's one of the things we find out with Heart of Believer Discipleship a lot with these classes that run is, is that most people didn't realize the responsibilities that come with a relationship with God. See, 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 I have responsibility to her. That's my wife. I have responsibility with her. I don't just have covenant with her. I have responsibility with her to take care of her, to love her, to cherish her, to treat her the same way Christ loved the church. I have a responsibility to edify her. And can I just be honest with you? Don't get mad when I say this. There are times I don't feel like edifying my wife. Because she might get on my nerves. Can I get an amen from somebody who don't want to act super holy right now? There are times I don't feel like being all nice and cozy, cozy and cuddly and, oh, you're the greatest wife in the world. Sometimes I'm like, hey, you need to go to your side of the house. I'm going to go to my side of the house. We'll come back a little bit later and talk it out. Like there, like, look, come on, just don't, please don't judge me right now. Sometimes she'll look at me and she'll go, you need to go over there. She usually she goes, you need to go back to the church and go work. Amen. You just go, go away because you're in a bad mood. I get it. We, we, but at the end of the day, like, like yesterday, we had 25 people in our house. And, and I remember she was in the kitchen finishing up some dishes. And I just walked up to her and I went and Linda behind her. And I said, hey, thank you for your help today. This was fun doing this with you. Like I, my responsibility to her is to love her. But it's a choice. Even when I don't feel like it, it's still a choice. I think I learned in the beginning of our marriage that, that I was really good at arguing because I'm a communicator. Amen. I'm, I'm a communicator for a living, so I just communicate till it breaks. She's not that person. She looked at me like, I'm done. I'm like, but I'm not. I can't go to bed like this. No, we need to finish this. And she's like, I'm done talking. And I'm like, but no, I need you to talk. And she's like, I'm not doing it. And I, I just go nuts. And I get mad. Then I realize you're fighting for no reason. Can I just say this to you? Fighting is a choice. Huh. Okay, let me give you really just real quick. This is where I'm going to stop today. We'll get into part two next week. Because i got three more places we got to go, and we ain't got enough time to get there. You, this whole week you're going to walk out. Dang, Pastor just left us. we got to rough it. Wonderful. That's great. <laughs> great. My, the epitome of a life with God, roughing it. Wonderful. 
But here's the truth of it. If you know it's going to be rough and you walk in willingly, you're okay with it. Amen. It's, like, it's like this. You know, you know those people that go to the gym? <laughs> you know those ones that get all the clothes and everything, but they go in and do nothing? They had no idea what they were doing. They were just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all the, you know, I'm going to outfit, I'm going to get the gloves, I got it all, I got the water bottle, I got the bag, I got it all. Look at me, I even brought protein, but I don't even know why I'm taking the protein. <laughs> Saw somebody else take the protein, I'm getting the protein, I'm getting that, I'm getting that pre-workout. You just want caffeine jolt in your system, that's all you want. You're, I don't know why I'm shaking so much, because you're not supposed to do that garbage, man. It's like legalized crack. It's really bad. It's like it's horrible. But anyway, so you get these people that are having like panic attacks, sweat moments in the gym, and they're doing nothing. And you're like, dude, you must be working hard. Like, dude, I haven't touched a weight yet. Okay. Yeah. So the, here's the thing. Those who really have a desire to change know that it requires work, and that work will not be easy. Somebody used to tell me, sweat is your fat crying. I've had a lot of fat crying moments. And still working on a lot of it. Amen. But, but at the end of the day, you knew there was work involved with this thing. It was not going to be. You know, you ever, anybody ever gone to the gym and you do too much with your, with your tries and you go to go to wash your hair and you go, oh, God. <laughs> this is when I'm envious of bald people. Amen. <laughs> You're leaning up against the wall in the shower, trying to move your hand, looking like some kind of ape in the middle of your shower. Like, it's just bad. It, you, you, or... or uh, you're going to do these leg workouts and you're walking out the. I'll be right there. I'm coming. Or your kids want to, hey, dad, you want to run? No. Don't touch me. I love when people come and go, Pastor, I'm sore. Where? Right there? Where? Right there? Where are you sore at? Where you, it's right there in your chest, right there in that pectoral, right there. God, stop it. Okay. Because the truth of it is, is that we went in with the expectation of change, but we missed out on the part that change is going to hurt. You can want the righteousness of God, but the righteousness does not come until you're willing to divorce the wrong of your own personal life. You can want righteousness all you want, but until you're willing to lay down your stuff, righteousness and holiness doesn't come into play. But what we're doing right now is we're trying to entertain righteousness and holiness while at the same time trying to entertain the flesh and saying, God, why don't you mix in? God says, I don't do both. I do one or you do the other. How am I leaving you today? It's rough. I'm agreeing with you. It can be tough at times. Sometimes you have to give up what you want. I never, I've, there's, a, there's a young person in this room I talked to. They said they made a decision. And, and that decision has caused people to disconnect from them. And, and I, I told him, I said, look, those people didn't need to be in your life anyway. Because those people aren't going to carry you to your destiny. They just want to watch you to fa fail where you are now. They just want to see you not succeed. And those people who I don't want to see me succeed are the people that need to go away. Because I don't need people around me to go, you're never going to make it. Well, that's your choice. I've been through too much hell to not make it. Somebody asked me, Pastor, aren't you mad you went to jail four times? No, I thank God for every, every one of them. Why? It taught me something. That was part of the roughing it. God got my attention. Drastic measures to get drastic results. Please do not call me. My son's in jail. Can you come help? Nope. Leave them there. They need it. Let them sit for a minute. It's good for them. It's healthy. Why? Because they'll call on the God, not you. Because trust me, when I first went to jail, I kept collect calling my mama. <laughs> By the third time, I just didn't collect call anybody. I was like, we're just going to have to work this thing out. Because I'm tired of calling them and no, nothing changes. I need something else to change. This is what I'm saying. is it, You're expecting this life to be tiptoeing through the tools. Because you thought your life was rough before God. So you thought if you got God, everything would be better. 
No, the only thing that changed is once you were going to hell and now you're not. That's the change. But do you think that the enemy's happy about your decision? Do you think he's happy? Do you think he wanted you to come to church this morning? Come on, work with me for a second. Some of y'all went through hell just to get to church this morning. Say, do you think the enemy wanted you to wake up this morning? Wanted you to not keep hitting the snooze button like some of y'all did? Like, just 10 more minutes, just 10 more minutes. Okay, like I get it. But when the roughness comes, understand that the roughness only exists because the enemy is petrified that if you really stood up and moved forward, that he would start to lose his ground in your existence. That the roughness only comes because you've chosen God over man. That the roughness only comes. And so when you go, I'm good with the roughness because I know my end, end result here. I know where the promise is on the other side of this thing. So roughness, come on. I celebrate tough days. When you wake up in the morning, your body's in pain, and you don't feel like going on through your day, I want you to stand up, lift up your hands, and celebrate. God, I just thank you. You might, you might find out that your body will line up real quick. You might find out that your existence is so much bigger than who you are as a person or as an individual, that with God, it's even bigger. But you got to be willing to embrace the roughness. He said it just as simply as this. He says, listen, we're not staying in the best of ends, you know. Are you ready to rough it? Are you really ready? Because this is, this is the, def- I started with this one on purpose because this is the one that separates the wheat from the chaff. Because we come and we come to the altar, oh God, oh God, take all my stuff, God, take away all my pains. And you lay it down to the altar and then we go back and create more. And then we ask God, why isn't it changing? God says, because you didn't leave it. You didn't ask me to change your heart. You just wanted to lay your stuff down. See, there's a difference. When you come to the altar and you ask God to change you, you ask him to let him change your heart, not your condition. Let him change your heart. Because once your heart's changed, the condition doesn't come back. Let him change your heart and understand that it's part of it. Is any decision come without some kind of roughness? I get a new car and people are like, oh, yep. There goes Pastor, getting another blessing. Here he goes. Or you get people go, oh, yep, he stole the church money. I'd encourage you to go look and find out if I did. It's amazing. When my wife got a new van, well, and, and nothing's ever been new. When my wife got a van, I had a church member, doesn't attend the church anymore, look at me in the face and go, why do you get a blessing and I don't? Wow, my bad, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a pecking order to the blessings of God. Okay, uh, it's, it's amazing, but you got to be willing to rough it. I tell people all the time, the decision to serve God was not an easy one, but it's the best one I've ever made. It's not an easy one. He'll separate you. He'll put you in different places you don't want to be, cause you to walk away from people. Amen. Doesn't mean you quit loving them, but sometimes you got to separate yourself. Abraham had to separate himself from Lot. Sometimes you might have to separate yourself from people that are not carrying you to the promised land or walking with you. Sometimes you got to move on, but you got to be willing to rough it. Everybody stand to your feet. I'll give you the point for next week, make you come back. Choice, a choice that changes things will create a voice of life in your life and not a voice of death. Choices will create life, not death. Choices will create life, not death. I was talking to Pastor Dylan a couple of days ago, and I said, I'm just really dealing with a lot right now just as a pastor of where are we as a people? Where are we as a church? Everybody wants to feel good. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
Everybody wants, oh, I just, Pastor, preach joy, preach love, preach happiness. I just did. And if you missed it, let me just sum it up. A decision without God is horrible. A decision with God is perfect. A decision with God brings the promised blessings. A decision without God will bring loneliness and isolation. Pastor, where's the joy in this? The joy is is that with him all things are possible. Without him nothing is. Pastor, where's the joy in this? You said it's going to be rough. I know I did. But the Bible also says that in the middle of that roughness, he's the one who calms the seas. He says in that roughness, he makes the crooked path straight. He said in that roughness, I'll hold you in the midnight hour. I'll speak words of life over you. I'll sing over you. If you can't feel that like I'm feeling this right now, you're missing it. He never said that if you say yes to me, everything gets perfect. He said, Brian, listen, you're saying yes to me. That means you're willing to change what you do. But I need you to understand that now the enemy is really afraid of you. And so he's coming. He's knocking. But all you have to do is rest in my arms and I'll take care of the rest of it because the battle's not yours. The battle's the Lord's. For I will declare over your house that a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but no plague shall not come nigh your dwelling. But pastor, you had the coronavirus, but I didn't die, Jack. And what nobody knows is that my family and I were in New York four days before they closed New York down. When we came home, Judah went into a sick fit for seven days. We have no idea. We had no idea what was going on because nobody was talking about it. We believe now that that's what he had. But I believe that why we, as a family, we serve a God that says, I will cover you. That the blood of the lamb is wiped over the doorpost of my house. Yes, that's a tough decision because it doesn't make you popular. My neighbor across the street, what are you doing? Setting up for Christmas, but it's Halloween. I know, but I'd rather celebrate God than celebrate the devil. Oh, okay. I'm a pastor. No, you're not. You're not a pastor. Shut up. Yes, even with the spiky hair. I'm still a pastor. Amen. It's a choice. I go into my garage, and sometimes I turn on music, and I I turn on worship music. I don't care who hears it. Because maybe that same music that's touching my heart will touch theirs too. I get in my car, and... Oh, the wind is down. Cruise. Oh, my wife and I listen to little Kirk Franklin. I'm a little old school. Give me a break. Amen. But what I'm saying is at the end of the day, it's, it's a choice to love my wife. It's a choice to love my kids. It's a choice to love God. And I understand that there's roughness. Tiff and I don't get along all the time, but God, I'm in love with her. You know why I'm in love with her? Because he loves me. And that love gives me an opportunity to love her. It's, it's handed. It's given. It's, and even when she doesn't feel like it, I'm good. Because I know at the end of the day, we're going to make it. Because love conquers everything. I signed up for the roughness. But I've kind of gotten to a place where I enjoy it. Keeps life exciting. Because it reminds me who's in control. When the roughness comes in, tag God, you're it. 
It's the greatest tag team wrestling match on the planet. And here's the great part. Once I tag him in, I'm just going to hang back and watch him do his work. If he wants to tag me in, I'll be in there. But he's already told me, once you put me in the game, Brian, sit back and watch the hand of God in the land of the living. Tag, you're in, God. It's your, cho- it's your turn. Choices. This week, you get to make choices. Will you serve God? Will you serve man? Will you talk about God or will you continue to talk about man? Will you let people see the God that you serve? Or will you hide them and reserve them to your Sunday experience? My prayer is, is that you'll leave this place today and let the world know that you've made a choice. And that choice is God. After service, the team will be standing up here ready to receive you if you would like prayer. But I'm going to do it this a little bit differently. You stand in this room right now. And I don't care. I need everybody to pay attention and just hang with me for just a moment. Let's get nobody leaves in this moment. If you're in this room and you understand my voice, you say, Pastor, my life's not right with God. You know it. I don't need to tell you. Maybe you got some sin in your life. That's all right. God still loves you. But I would be amiss to finish this moment and not give you an opportunity to lay it down. So if you're in this room and I say, Pastor, I got some stuff. Without any head bowed and the eyes closed, because I love how we do that. We got to hide it in secret. You did the sin in public. I don't know why you're trying to hide it in secret. You got some sin you need God to take out of your life. You're ready to move forward. You're ready to make that decision, make a choice. If that's you in this room, you just lift your hands and say, Pastor, that's me. I just got to leave it. I got to leave it. It's okay. That's all right. And, and I'm going to say this to you. And this is not to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's a dangerous place when we can come into the house of God and hold on to our sin tighter than we hold on to the promises that he has for us. It's a dangerous place when we can sing worship songs or stand in an atmosphere of worship and yet still make excuses for our sin and basically tell God, whatever, I don't care. Let me be honest with you. If the trumpet sounds, I hope, I pray, that you'll go with us when it's over. If you don't think that I have to repent daily, hello. Repentance is a lifestyle. It is not a once in a lifetime thing. It is a lifestyle to live by every day. God, if there's anything in this vessel that is not of you, please take that sucker out. And whatever I've done to defame you or deface you or to devalue you as a, as a child, as a kid, God, I ask that you remove those things out of my life because I don't want anything to do with it. My life is yours. You are mine. I am yours. Let's fix this. And here's the great part. Every time I do it, God goes, gotcha. But remember this. If I have to keep coming back to him to repent for the same stuff, it's choices. You made a choice to keep going back. Any of y'all got kids? You get tired of your kids coming back and apologizing for the same stuff over and over. They keep doing it. Because it's not a change. It's an excuse. Don't make your repentance an excuse. Make it a choice.